Alan Fagan is with us live via telephone, Executive Vice President, Chief Professional Officer at the OU, the Orthodox Union. We have an opportunity to speak with Alan about some of the amazing things at the OU and wish him a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. There has been no greater advocate for what we do here and for the thousands of lives that we affect around the world on a daily basis uh, than Alan Fagan and the leadership of the OU. Alan Fagan, a pleasure to welcome you back. Shana Tova from all of us here at JM in the AM. Thank you, uh, Nachum. Uh, Shana Tova to you and all of your listeners. I got to start with uh, a couple of what I think are major developments, frankly. Uh, in an era where so many people are hoping uh, that we can continue to increase Torah study, uh, that we can increase the uh, the availability of really powerful and inspirational speakers, uh, the OU goes ahead and a couple of years ago um, establishes this program, uh, Torah at City Field, Torah New York, and nobody knows, and Alan, I hope, I hope I'm being accurate about this, <laughs> nobody really knows how it's going to play out there in the community. It's a Sunday, it's a very busy time of year, it's in an unusual venue to say the least, and now you look back at what happened a couple of weeks ago, uh, not the first time you've done it, and it was an absolute grand slam home run. Um, a, a perfect expression for the location where you had it in City Field. Uh, so, number one, congratulations, and number two, I mean, would it be fair to say that when the OU takes risks like this, you really have no idea how it's going to end up? You know, when we when we thought about uh, running Torah in New York uh, this year, and thought about the right date and time of year. We really took a, 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 a deep breath about uh, trying to run the program in the middle of, uh, of Slichas. Yeah. And uh, it was a risk. And uh, I think it worked out, uh, it worked out well. Uh, we had an incredible, uh, incredible crowd uh, of participants, 30 different uh, shiurim, probably the, the all-star team of Magide Shir and... Yeah. Uh, uh, scholars who presented throughout the course of the day, and uh, we, we we took a risk, but I think uh, I think it was a good one, and it was the right time of year. It was the right way to set the mood going into uh, Rosh Hashanah, and I think the right way to encourage people to commit as they went into the new year to find ways to set aside time during the course of the year for Torah study. And, and the, the whole range of alternatives that we presented, I think, made clear to everyone that there was, there's, there's something there for every taste, for every level of skill and experience, for every interest in Torah study. Someone and said, that, to, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was really the purpose of the day, and I, and I think in that sense it was uh, uh, enormously successful. Someone said to me on Sunday, Erev Rosh Hashanah, it was good to see an organization as influential as the OU, go back to basics and understand that the need for Torah study is vital in our community. And I think that says a lot, especially these days when there's lots of bells and whistles and you know that organizations try to do things that are, you know, innovative, different, very 2019, use whatever expression you want. And you guys went ahead and said, you know what, we're just going to enhance the Torah study experience and attract people. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, we certainly we certainly tried to do that, and 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 I think one one thing that we were able to accomplish uh, this year that was perhaps a bit different than prior years 
was much greater uh, outreach to a whole variety of, of uh, subsets right. of our community. We had some wonderful shiurim that were designed primarily for women. We had a huge group of teens from NCSY, uh, both yeshiva teens and public school teens, uh, who came. And, and we had a wonderful, wonderful seum at the end of the day for hundreds of participants in our Smichas Chaver program, which I hope we'll have an opportunity uh, uh, perhaps to talk about a bit. But, but the seum was, was just uh, extraordinary. You know what's funny, uh, and and this is you know again a testament to the program in, in general. Um, the smichas chaver, which which certainly we could talk about, the smichas chaver program in itself would would have been a landmark, would have been viewed as, and certainly advertised as a landmark event in our community, and that's and that's really what it proved to be. But it was you know part of something that was so much bigger that even some of its you know specialness may have gotten lost in the grandeur of the entire Torah New York event. So there are so many, you talk about subsets and, you know, different groups, you know, benefiting from the, uh, from the experience of that Sunday. That subset was so significant, but people don't, some of them don't even realize that it was part of the whole, uh, of the whole program. Could you, ex- could you explain the Smichas Chaver and tell this audience why it's so vital to the community moving forward? Uh, sure. Uh, this is a, uh, a relatively new venture for us. It began uh, about two years ago, uh, founded by uh, a, a young Talmud Chacham uh, named Rav Eliada Goldvicht, who was just an extraordinary, extraordinary uh, Marbitz Torah. It began in Israel. Uh, we learned of it in Israel. We have now imported it uh, to the United States. And, and, and across the globe. Uh, it, it is uh, probably the fastest growing practical halacha learning program uh, in the world. Wow. Uh, it now has uh, about a thousand participants uh, across the world. When the new um, Zman begins after Sukkot, we will just about double the number of participants and locations. Uh, throughout uh, uh, the United States and Israel, we now have Smichas uh, Chaver programming in, in London, in Sydney, Australia, in Chile, all across Israel. Uh, it, it's just uh, growing enormously. And, and, and the wonderful thing about this program uh, is it, it, it's, it's a, a once-a-week shear, about an hour and a half, but the materials that are used, the content, uh, is the same across all of the Chaburas uh, that learn together across the world. It uses a multimedia approach to the development of the content. But what I find uh, to be very, very special about this program is really two parts of it. Uh, one is that the participants in Smichas Chaver each week are given material to take home with them mm so that it becomes uh, an opportunity at the Shabbos table to engage children and families in the learning uh, that's going on during the course of the week, so that families see uh, the investment that's being made uh, by the participants. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful role model uh, uh, opportunity and influence on the totality of the family. Uh, and then it's the seriousness with which the learning is, uh, is being taken. 
in order to complete the program, you need to take a test on the material that's been covered. Uh, and if you successfully uh, complete that material, you receive a certificate, the Smichas Chaver uh, certification, that you have completed that semester of study. It's a certificate that's signed uh, by Rav Herschel Shafter Shlita, uh, uh, by Rav Amar, uh, the Sephardi Chief Rabbi uh, of Israel, and by uh, Rav Zalman Nehemia Goldberg. Uh, and then you attend the Siyam together <laughs> with your family. Uh, so it becomes a family experience. It becomes a, a real sense of satisfaction and completion and mastery uh, of, uh, of the learning that uh, is being done during the course of the week. And, and I can tell you from personal experience, since my younger son uh, participates in one of the Chaburas, uh, that the, the interactions that take place during the week, the WhatsApp groups that get created by each Chabura, you have questions flying back and forth all week, people raising questions about what they're learning uh, uh, with the Magid Shir, with one another. It, it's just become a, a, uh, uh, a, a remarkable uh, experience of, of communal learning uh, that we hope will continue and to grow and to expand uh, in ever more locations. Uh, and with more and more participants. Talk about uh, taking advantage of technology, huh? I mean, that, that's what it's all about. It's all about this I incredible innovation that you and your staff have, thinking, you know, now that we have this technology available, how can we create a community that's much more close-knit than any type of, you know, Torah study group ever has been? And whether it's WhatsApp groups and all the other things that are necessary in order to, you know, get everybody onto the same page, so to speak, it's really remarkable how it's done. Um, it's an incredibly uh, a powerful tool to encourage uh, Torah learning. You know, frankly, um, uh, we, we have now harnessed uh, the power of technology uh, for uh, our new Dafyomi program. It's going to be a, a revolutionary uh, new approach to learning the Daf, which we will roll out at the beginning of the new cycle uh, in January. We're already beginning to uh, release uh, various podcasts, uh, but this also is going to be a major new initiative uh, for us. In, in addition to the regular uh, Dafyomi Shiurim that have been given uh, for the past uh, uh, for the past cycle by uh, Rabbi Moshe Elephant and uh, Rabbi Shalom Rosner, which it, itself attracts uh, thousands of individuals, uh, we're going to be harnessing brand new technology created specifically for this new program, which we're calling All DAF. So it's going to be uh, available uh, on uh, a mobile app, uh, accessible by smartphone, accessible by, uh, uh, by laptop, uh, accessible by podcast. Uh, and the bells and whistles that are on this new uh, uh, program are, are extraordinary. And in addition to the basic uh, DAF material, uh, we have uh, an outstanding set of podcasts that will accompany the material given by Professor Abramson of Turo on history related to the DAF. We will have podcasts on Nach related to the DAF, on Halacha, on Lumdus. Uh, the material itself will be interactive. Uh, there'll be uh, uh, an opportunity for interactive questioning, uh, graphs, charts, biographical material, maps. It, it's it's going to be a, 
uh, a, I think, a, a revolutionary approach to the ability to learn the DAF whenever and wherever one is uh, and uh, uh, the ability to access it with the most modern technology. Unbelievable. Alan Fagan with us, Executive Vice President, Chief Professional Officer at the OU. So, you know, the list of things you and I could discuss could literally take all day because there's so many departments that should be lauded for their amazing work. I'm just going to go with a couple of things. Obviously, the Torah New York was something that happened recently, so it came to mind as we uh, started to explore this uh, conversation, this N- New Year's conversation. I have to mention one other thing, Alan. I-, I was It was a crazy night for us, but we were able to make it over there for about an hour to the Teach NYS gathering in New York City. And I'll tell you what you've done, meaning you and your staff, obviously. You've taken a a a topic, and I know that some people listening will find this hard to believe, that people were completely unmotivated. But you took an area of Jewish life where people were completely unmotivated. And I'm telling you, I observed this with my own eyes. I don't think it's an exaggeration. When it came to making the effort to get government to buy in to the importance of financing aspects of Jewish of Jewish day schools, Jewish schools in general. Uh, very, very little enthusiasm in our community. Most people thought it was a fruitless venture. Uh, many people were not were simply not motivated by it. It wasn't it wasn't uh, you know a a cool enough cause uh, to have dinners and make efforts and you know and and go to rallies and protests and take hours of our day to do different things. And what I saw that night at the Teach NYS dinner was that your, your staff over all these years was able to motivate people in multiple states, the average person, the average Jewish parent in multiple states to be motivated, to take an active role, in many cases to financially support the effort, and to get us to this point where any state where you've established an office has accomplished anywhere from mild success to great success in this area, and I think that that needs to be pointed out. Thank you, thank you. We were we were uh, delighted with the dinner. I, I I think it's the first time that I can remember that we actually had to close registration for the dinner three days uh, uh, before the dinner itself. We just didn't didn't have room. It it this really speaks uh, to an issue that we have for the last number of years. Uh, uh, I, I think characterized as the, the single most significant economic issue facing our community, perhaps one of the most significant issues facing our community, and, and that is the, the, the crushing burden on parents of uh, ever-escalating uh, yeshiva tuition. Uh, and we, we have uh, tried very, very hard over the last several years to begin to make a dent in that problem by persuading state government in the states in which we operate, which cover roughly 85 to 90% of day school students in the United States, to persuade state government that they have an obligation to see to it that every child in every state is given an appropriate education. Uh, And I, I think some of the major inroads that we've made in New York State in particular, where we've now persuaded the state that the cost of STEM education, science, technology, engineering, math, 
the basic skills that are necessary to be uh, uh, an educated uh, member of the workforce is as important for the state to guarantee not only for its public school population, but for its private school population. Right. In, in New York, that's now 15% of the student population are in private schools. Uh, the STEM funding is, is started uh, at $5 million. Uh, we got it to $15 million in the second year. It's now $30 million. And our goal uh, this year uh, is to fully fund STEM education in every school in New York State. Uh, and with the support that we've had now from communities all across the state, uh, we think that uh, we're going to get there. And, uh, and by, understands it. And, and just the, to, and to emphasize my point, years ago they would have told you you're crazy. Now, now you've proven it can be done. We've, we've proven that it can be done, and, and I think that we've, in the process, forged some wonderful, wonderful alliances yeah. uh, with with the private school community, with the Catholic community, with the Muslim community, and in particular, I think, took an issue that had been a highly politicized issue in Albany, uh, where for most legislators uh, in Albany, the notion of support for parochial education was anathema. They now understand uh, how important this is. At our dinner, uh, uh, we honored uh, Representative uh, Shelley Mayer, who is the chair of the New York State Senate Education Committee, uh, who had been uh, for, for many years uh, an opponent of this and is now a forceful advocate. So we're beginning, I think, to, to turn around the hearts and minds of legislators in Albany. We've tried to take a completely bipartisan approach uh, to this to make our case as, as civilly and as uh, uh, properly as, as we pop possibly can. Uh, and I think it's made a real difference. The same is true for security funding. Yep. New York State is now providing $60 million a year of security funding to non-public schools, most of that uh, going to yeshivas and day schools. Uh, to put it in some context, that's the same amount of money that the entire federal government is spending on security for not-for-profit institutions. So, and, and, and we're mirroring this success now all across the country, in, in, in California, in Illinois, in Pennsylvania, Florida, Maryland. Uh, it's making a tremendous difference in the safety of our kids uh, and in the budgets of our schools. Well, now that I've dominated the agenda of this conversation, is there anything you'd like to mention at the start of the year five seven eight zero? We've got we've got a little bit uh, going on. Actually, the 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 uh, the next major program uh, that we have will take place this Sunday uh, in Yerushalayim. For those of your listeners uh, who are there, we are going to be uh, replicating Torah New York uh, in Yerushalayim program called Torah Yerushalayim. In including uh, a seum, right? Including the Haver, uh, right? Am I right about that? I believe they have that. Uh, um, yes, I believe so. And and a full day of, uh, of, of Shiurim at the uh, Ramada Hotel uh, in Yerushalayim, this uh, in honor of 
uh, the 40th anniversary year of OU Israel, doing really wonderful, wonderful work, particularly with with young people, uh, most of them in uh, development towns all across Israel, youth at risk, uh, and our Zula Center in Yerushalayim. Uh, so that will happen on, on Sunday. Uh, we have a fabulous program coming up on Simchas Torah. Uh, you know, one of, one of the issues that we all confront on, on Simchas Torah is what happens during that kind of uh, uh, time in the morning on Simchas Torah when men are getting aliyahs and women are waiting. Right. Uh, and it, our, our Women's Initiative uh, started a program last year uh, to partner with a whole group of shuls to provide learning opportunities for women during that time period. Uh, this year, we've got uh, uh, close to four dozen uh, shuls who are participating in that effort. Uh, female scholars all across the country uh, will be providing uh, shiurim uh, during that time slot uh, on uh, on Simchas Torah, and then immediately after Sukkot, our, our new Smichas uh, Chaver session uh, will begin. As I said, with double the number of communities that uh, have participated. Uh, up until now, uh, we're, we're going to have uh, new programs in communities like Atlanta and uh, and Memphis and Los Angeles and and and, and a dozen others. Wow! Uh, uh, so that will begin uh, right after Sukkot, and then, as you know, uh, in November we have our uh, Jewish Community Home and Job Relocation Fair. Right. Uh, this year we've got a record number of communities who will be coming to New York. Uh, to showcase their communities, to showcase housing and job opportunities uh, in their uh, in uh, uh, in the New York area, uh, we've got 57 communities uh, oh. across the United States uh, that are coming to present, uh, as well as six in Israel, uh, together with Nefesh Benefesh, to talk about Aliyah possibilities. And and for your listeners who may not be familiar with the program. This is a program really designed uh, to showcase smaller communities across the United States where there is ample housing available, solid Jewish communal infrastructure, uh, and significant uh, job opportunities uh, at at much more affordable um, cost of living options than would exist in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. We, we last uh, uh, did our community fair uh, two years ago in 2017, and since then we've had 250 families who have relocated to communities that showcased uh, uh, showcased themselves uh, during the uh, the fair in 2017. Wow! So this is this is a, a a meaningful program for those who are considering relocation options. You learn all about communities. You learn about their infrastructure, about their day schools, about their mikvahs, about their shuls, about their housing, about their job opportunities, and so on. Very, very well done presentations uh, by by all of these communities. So that's coming up uh, in in November. I can't believe this fifty seven. That's like that's incredible. And the brilliant idea of including nefesh benefesh. I never even dreamt that it would split up into different communities. That's also brilliant. So it's 57 plus 6 in Israel. You have a lot of options. <laughs> People will be given a lot of choices about where they might want to uh, relocate if they're thinking of leaving the New York area. 
there, there are an enormous number of choices, and we're delighted to be able to partner with uh, with with Nefesh Benefesh, a really outstanding uh, uh, organization that does so much for uh, for Israel and for the Jewish people. Well, as I always say, you have an open microphone here to uh, alert us to uh, all the things that are going on and all the different things the OU is working on. The list is endless, and I apologize that the the clock is not being friendly to us this moment, but I take this opportunity, Alan Fagan, to uh, wish you a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. Gamar Simatova. And uh, thank you. Thank you for including us in so many special things. A lot of the things that we do regularly and that really are much higher profile, we didn't even discuss in this conversation. So for those and for everything else that you include us, I want to say thank you very much. Well, thank you, Nachem and Gamar Simatova, to you, to your family, and to all of your uh, listeners. You know, we started uh, uh, the program talking about uh, technology, yeah. uh, but but the fact is that these programs are only as successful as the ability to communicate them to a very very wide audience, and 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 you and your network are such a critical part of that communication process for us. So so we want to thank you and uh, and and wish you and all of your listeners uh, a wonderful wonderful satisfying, healthy, and happy new year and a Gamar Hasimatova. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Alan Fagan, of course, Executive Vice President of the OU. And I'm going to add everybody, and some of the veterans of this audience know this, um, and I, don't, I, I can't go into why right now because it would take a, a few minutes to think about it and then present it, but the OU from the beginning, I started Erev Rosh Hashanah literally this week is my, uh, is my anniversary. I started 36 years ago this week. And for some reason, and again, I, I could point out probably some of the reasons, uh, from the beginning, when and, and trust me, folks, you start, you start doing this 36 years ago, nobody's paying attention to you. Nobody. And for some reason, some of the key people at the OU um, did pay attention and wanted to be part of what we were doing, and that has never stopped. And Alan has kept that tradition going in glorious fashion, and I thank him for that. And um, look, that's why the OU is where they are, and that's why they're as inclusive as they are, and that's why while everyone else continues to shrink, they continue to grow because they have this uh, this vision and uh, understand how important it is to include everything possible in their work, and what we do has been a part of that all these years. So a big thank you to them, to say the least.